Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. This week, we kicked off our podcast episodes with some anatomy and some wax models Uh, and somebody that's been on my list not for that long because a lot of the uh, press about her followed, I think, an edition of the book that I referenced at the end coming out, which was called The Lady Anatomist, The Life and Work of Anna Mirandi Manzolini. But a lot of the the articles that have come out um, on some, you know, mainstream popular websites recently have referenced back to that book. And so she hasn't been on my list for that long, but she's been somebody I've been just deeply interested in that whole time, partly because the self-portrait of her is so visually striking because she's really in a gown with pearls on, dressed very beautifully and very aristocratically while preparing to dissect a brain, which I really liked. Holly, you and I have both talked about how we'll kind of download to our spouses what we've been working on At this point, my husband has heard me talk about so many topics that are just horrible that I, as I was trying to explain kind of the condensed version of Anna Mirandi Manzolini, he kept expecting there to be something horrific happening to her. Like, (laughs) was she exiled because of her anatomical interest? No, she she just got paid a lot less and it wasn't enough to live off of which is still bad, but like not. He was expecting like a, a he was expecting a trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm looking at a picture of her, that self-portrait in wax that she did, and I'm thinking, this is another good idea for a Halloween costume. <laughs> Ooh, I hadn't even thought about that, but I agree with you. Because uh, her dress is beautiful. It's a beautiful, like, really um, kind of subdued, dusty pink rose gown of the era, so that means lots of fun embellishment. Mm-hmm. There's some pearls. There's good hair. You just need to carry around a brain in a jar. Um, There are pictures of uh, several of her wax pieces that you can get pretty easily on the internet. And one of them is a series of the eye. And it's got just an eye, the skin around the eye, the eyes looking in different directions. You're getting a sense of how that musculature all attaches. And then there's one that's just the eye itself um, with the muscular musculature coming off of it. And every time I see it, I have this moment where I think it's a starfish. <laughs> it is I understand completely what you're saying. It does look a little um, almost Lovecraftian uh, because of the way it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I've, I've studied anatomy and physiology. I've never personally done a cadaver study, uh, but I have watched video of cadaver studies being done. I don't feel particularly squeamish about all of this, but the anatomical venuses creep me out because they're like their facial expressions and their body and the fact that you are like lifting out all of these parts of the person's um, like pelvis and abdomen and somehow the look on her face is weirdly ecstatic. I'm like, it. I feel like this is a model of uh, a woman who's enjoying being brutalized, and that creeps me out. I have theories. Yeah. I have to wonder if some of it isn't just that women at this point historically, right, were often objects of, like, ideally would be something pretty to behold. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to just make them beautiful and look like women you would see in paintings and art, except, of course, you could take them apart and look at their insides. But it does create a strange juxtaposition. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is Uh, very disturbing. There's a really recent book uh, within, I think, the last couple of years called The Anatomical Venus that's on just these, and I have not read it, but that does exist if people are interested. Uh, Something that we didn't get into the episode that came up in the research, though, was how the whole idea of the sexes was really evolving just before and during this time. Um, Back when we did the episode about the Lieutenant Nun, Mm -hmm. we talked about how in that particular era, the idea of the sexes was very different from how we think of it now because it was, everybody thought that like there was one sex and it was male and women were just kind of broken men. And so Anna Mirandi Manzolini was relatively early and uh, in the sort of more conceptualizing it as two distinct sexes, although there were still people arguing about it in one way or the other. And now, of course, today we're living at a time not many centuries past that point where more and more uh, physicians and um, geneticists and all kinds of other uh, specialists are saying, hey, this whole binary of two sexes is, uh, like, not actually indicative of the diversity of the way people's bodies present. So it's, like, to me, an interesting progression in how that understanding has shifted over, like, 500 years. Oh, yeah. 
I have a confession to make, which is that I am not emotionally tall enough to ride the ride of dissected bodies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can watch surgery for days. Uh-huh. But like once you see things like this or those instances of installations that have toured periodically in the last several years of like a human body that's kind of like taken apart for people to oh, yeah. look. I cannot handle that. The plastinated them. ones. I cannot yeah. handle it. So for me, being able to look up, for example, <laughs> at a beautified face that I can pretend is a painting is working a little better. But it is, it's okay. a tricky thing, the way men and women were treated. I also feel like in some ways we look at this period specifically um, – when she was doing her work, there is this strange juxtaposition we talked about of, like, in some ways so much more progressive in terms of available routes mm-hmm. for women. But in other ways, as evidenced by the fact that these anatomical studies had to, shortly after she was gone, then be very pretty also. Right. Like, there are weird multiple societal standards and ideologies at play all at the same time. Right. Which is always what makes history specifically related to sex and gender very tricky to pick apart. Yeah. 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 She definitely, um, or women in Bologna when she was living, especially if they were wealthy, not as much as they if they weren't wealthy. Like, they had more access to education than in lots of other parts of Europe. But they still faced a lot of sexism and were sort of held up as, like, token lady scholars. Yeah. Behold, our lady scholar instead of just a yeah. smart person. Yep, yep. Uh, I I was um, annoyed at all the times that I found her referenced as the lady anatomist until I realized, like, that's really how they were sort of marketing her in Bologna in the 18th century. <laughs> uh, continuing our week of of slightly graphic things, since the other one was about anatomy. Uh, We also talked about William Kemmler this week and uh, Alfred Southwick, the invention of the electric chair and its first use, uh, which is a weird and difficult thing to talk about because it also involves, as we mentioned at the top of that episode, uh, some animal torture, which we glossed over as much as possible, and domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. There were two things that really, 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 really made me spitting nails angry while I was researching this. One is the fact that Kemmler's defense in his initial trial focused so much on the fact that Tilly was so pretty, of course she was having an affair. Gross. Yeah. I didn't include it in the episode itself because it does get a little bit graphic. But they even asked the surgeons that worked on her brain if they thought she was pretty. And one of the surgeons who is was considered like an expert in that field, like an early brain surgeon, so to speak, and had been the man that described trying to pull fragments of bone out of her brain tissue in the hopes that they could somehow save that brain tissue, which of course ultimately didn't work, kind of had a great comeback, but I'm sure it was because he was astonished to even be asked that, where he said something along the lines of, not the way I saw her, like, yeah, why he would even be questioned as to whether he thought this woman he was trying to save, who was obviously a mess, was pretty, just horrified him. Well, and it it reminds me of, like, when, when women are assaulted and what they were wearing is used as 
part of the trial. Very similar. The whole thing did become very victim-blamey in in Kemmler's defense. And I understand, of course, this was, you know, 150 years ago. But it really is, like, startling to me that that was their take, was that they asked everybody how pretty she was. And I'm like, that is monstrous. The second thing that really horrified me in the research is that once that electrocution took place and, of course, went horribly badly. The way that Kemmler was talked about in the press became much more sympathetic, and mm-hmm. they referred to him as that poor wretch and, like, that poor man. And And I understand that that was also framing it to kind of maximize the sensationalism of it and make it seem like this had really been a terrible, terrible plan from the start, But as a consequence, like, the fact that he had so violently killed his, at that point, what's often called his common-law wife, even though he was married to someone else, um, kind of falls off of the story. Right. And it does not become about how he brutalized someone, and he becomes this poor victim that nobody is giving the same benefit of the doubt. Right. You know, how pretty was that electric chair? Like, there's no... um, it's a very weird thing. And those two things together just had me fuming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At one, I, like, that phenomenon is also something that still exists where, you know, if, uh, if, if someone is convicted of a crime and their punishment is regarded as being excessive somehow, like, that will earn sympathy, whereas the person who was the victim of the crime is sort of written out of the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, where anybody stands on the death penalty is is in whatever they make peace with in their own heart. I certainly do not want anyone uh, to be treated inhumanely or cruelly, but it, it really does bother me, particularly in a situation of such horrifying domestic abuse, that the thing that got him there kind of gets written out, and that victim never got the same right. kind treatment uh it's it's a definitely unbalanced in that regard yeah um the other thing is that i i feel like people don't talk about southwick at all when you hear about the war of currents like they talk about him as as sending edison letters but you really don't know his whole background there isn't a whole lot of discussion in you know any of the the various films or whatever that have been made around it you don't find out, like, his whole weird thing where he and his friends were electrocuting stray dogs to try to figure out their mm-hmm. scientific method. That all, I mean, it, it's difficult to talk about and think about, but it's an important part of the story that gets kind of whipped past, usually. Right. Because those two figures, Kemmler and Southwick both, are so eclipsed by the Edison, Tesla, Westinghouse portion of it, which I understand. Like, you can't tell the whole story all the time in the amount of time given. Um, but it just, that's why I wanted to, to do this one as unpleasant as it is in many regards. Yeah. 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 Uh, if you would like to write us some pleasant email, we would love that. <laughs> uh, it's one of the reasons I put a very pleasant one at the end of that episode. Uh, you can do that at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. You can also find us on social media as Missed in History. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on the iHeartRadio app at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen. Listen. 
Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.